you become a tailor, you will never die hungry, but you won't be rich. And so if that's enough for you, then I'll take you in. But if not, then go somewhere else. And I was like, yeah, dude, that, that's fine. He was like, all right, start tomorrow. So this was a Friday, then I started Saturday, and then I was with him for three years. Hello, I'm Reg. And I'm Tiff. And we're, and we're the, the Fashion, fashion geeks. geeks. Trying to make New York. And the world. Well, New York is the world. A little flyer, one outfit. And podcast. At a time. Growing up, I didn't really know any Latino menswear or suit designers. No Cisco Rodriguez, I knew him. I have two tops of his, they're dope. Oscar de la Renta, definitely knew him, but he was really woman's wear. I'm sure there were many behind the scenes, but never in front of their own label. What has led to such a dearth and invisibility? Is it access, resources, connections? The only thing I do know is if you're a Latino launching a men's suit brand today, you have an opportunity to impact not just menswear, but your community. Yo, this is Reg Ferguson, Fashion Geek number one. Happy New Year. How are you? Welcome to the ride. Thank you so much for listening. Hey, please tell your friends about us. Please tell them to subscribe and please give us a review on Apple Podcasts. Special shout goes to our producer, Search, and everyone down with the Fashion Geeks. And if you have a question or a story suggestion, you can email me at podcast at nyfashiongeek.com or hit me up on the Insta at New York Fashion Geek. Today, we're going to talk with Oscar Torres of Los Torres Tailors, who's in New Jersey. And we're going to talk about a category of menswear that the everyday man should aspire to. We're going to talk about custom tailoring. Oscar Torres in the building. What's going on, man? How are you? I'm all right. I'm all right. How are you? I'm well. I'm well, based on the circumstances. Are you uh, keeping safe out there? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Just doing my thing, you know. Mind my own business. Talking to no one. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds all good. So before we go into our topic, please tell us. So what do you do? So what do you so what do you, so what do, you, what do, you do? Uh, I mean, I just make people look good. No, I'm talking. Uh, I'm just a tailor. <laughs> yeah, I'm just a tailor. So anything that a tailor would do, um, I do alterations. I do made to measure. I do full bespoke um, clothing as well. So anything that would would have to do with custom for both men and women. So women's overcoats, shirts, trousers, sport jackets, things like that. Um, alterations. Uh, we specialize, as far as the alterations go, we specialize in like the heavy reconstruction work. So I'm talking if we need to reslope a jacket, like the shoulders of a jacket, um, get rid of, um, let's say like the shoulder pad or like the sleeve head, things like that. If you want to taper a chest, taper shoulder blades, you know, slim up the sleeves, things of that nature. Um, those are the alterations that we specialize in. That's a uh, that's a lot, Oscar. I'm gonna have you slow down a little bit, bro. We got a lot of time. <laughs> <laughs> so, what is the name of your business again? Uh, the name of the business is Los Torres Tailors. Got you. And what made you come up with a name that represented your family? Uh, well, I wouldn't say it represents my family exactly, but. I definitely wanted to have a familial vibe to it. Um, so 
another thing too, it's like when you, you know, there's certain brands that once a person dies and if it's after their name, it's just like, it's weird. Like for instance, like Carl Lagerfeld, like kid's gone now and what's going to happen? <laughs> you know, like what happens to the brand? I, I don't know. I just didn't want my name in the hands of anybody else like that. Mainly because not, not, not so much like, oh, no one's going to do a good job after me kind of thing, but it's more like, it's just, it's weird. Um, I, I don't know. I just wasn't something that I really wanted. I didn't want to have like the Oscar Torres brand. Didn't make any sense. Um, so using the last name, making it seem like more of a family, family thing, um, just made more sense. Um, and th that's just kind of how, how I went with it. You know, it just seems very heritage. It just had like a good ring to it, you know? So <laughs> I, I just went with it. Sure. No, that's nice. How has your brand and your business been doing during COVID? Uh, surprisingly well, man. Uh, so I, I was actually running my numbers the other day, uh, comparing to what I did in 2019 and 2020. And, uh, I mean, obviously there, there's a hit. I didn't make the same amount of money as I did, uh, the previous year, but I was still able to make a decent amount, you know? Um, so it was, it was nice. Um, even during quarantine, uh, some of, some of the guys were just getting tired of being cooped up in the house and they're like, bro, I need some sort of interaction. I need to talk to someone that's not my wife or not my kids, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and so they'd be like, dude, like, I want to make a shirt, like come through. If you're okay with it, like come through. I was like, yeah, I'm fine. So, you know, masks and gloves at the time, uh, I was wearing the gloves. So, um, you know, if I'm measuring someone, I don't, I didn't want to, you know, infect them or whatever. So sure. you would show up, we would, uh, and most of the guys that already were, um, that I was meeting, I already had their measurements anyway. So there wasn't any need for, uh, for measurements, but, um, yeah, so we, we would pick up a few shirts and that's all they were doing. I, I did a lot of shirt business in that time. Um, I think I did like a pair of pants and maybe a sport jacket, but yeah, so it was, it was those kinds of things. You know, I'm showing up at people's homes, um, doing private consultations that way. Uh, which we've always offered, but it just blew up during uh, quarantine. Same thing with alterations. Um, I was showing up to people's homes because they were going through their closets. Like, I don't need this. I don't need that. I want to fix this. I want to fix that. So I was doing a lot of that stuff. So the alterations kept me busy. So yeah, I, I, I've been able to um, actually do a, a good amount of business even, even through COVID. And then when the stimulus check hit, I actually got a lot of young guys that were like, hey, you know what? Maybe, maybe let me uh, get like a, a sport jacket or something. Um, and so, yeah, I, it just, I, I was able to, uh, you know, they, they spent it the way it was supposed to be spent. You know, that's what the stimulus check right. was for is to stimulate the economy yeah. anyway. So, exactly. <laughs> um, you know, some guys like obviously used it to pay off their bills, which is also a really good thing to do. It's like, if you're given free money, like do whatever you want with it, it's going to put you ahead. Um, and so for the younger guys that are living at home or, you know, or in college, whatever it is, you know, their biggest investment is their appearance and their image and how they portray themselves to the world. So they were thinking like, yeah, let me get a pair of pants. Let me get two shirts. Let me get a sport jacket. And so I was able to build my business with the younger clientele that way. Well, you, you bring up an excellent point. You're talking about appearance and how it makes one feel. When you decided to enter into the arena of men's tailoring, what led you to actually, what led you to actually do that? To, to do what? Like the, the tailoring? Yeah, what what led you to to decide to become a tailor? Essentially, that's uh, that's 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 my question. Uh, well, I mean, I started telling when I was fourteen. So, all right, I, I guess it goes back further to like when I was a kid, maybe. Because, um, I mean, I grew up in like a very very heavy like Christian household where you got to like wear suits and ties, you know, on on your Sundays and things like that, you know. Sure, and I right, and obviously, like 
when, when you go, you know, you, you see some girls and wearing their dresses and stuff. And like, you always just want to look fly, you know? And my brother, oh, yeah. yeah. And so my brother was a very sharp, well, at the time was a very sharp dresser, right? Has <laughs> <laughs> he fallen off? Is that what you're saying? Uh, no, just his style is, uh, is, is different than mine now. Like before, like when you're a kid, you can wear, you can get away with wearing like a, a bright orange shirt with like, you know, or like wearing neon green socks, you know, that kind of stuff. So for the kids, they're like, oh, shoot, look at his socks. Like, look at his shirt. Like, look at his suspenders. Like, look at that, that stuff. And he was wearing suspenders, too. Um, and, like, he was wearing the clip suspenders. Like, so suspenders, not braces, I guess, whatever. Sure. Um, but, yeah, so he was wearing that stuff. Um, you know, he he had, like, you know, a, a, lot, a lot of girls were kind of, like, feeling the style. I'm like, damn, bro. Like, I, I got I to gotta, I gotta move up, right? So, um, you know, just that kind of environment was um, something that I really, really liked. And also... Um, you know, after, after service or whatever, we would go out to, you know, to dinner or something as a family. And then people would be like, Oh, like, you know, it's a Sunday or whatever. Like, you guys are, you know, dressed really, really well. But I would also notice other guys that were in the restaurants or wherever, like the diners, wherever we were dressing still in the sport jacket or slacks, um, or a pair of pants, like a nice shirt, something like that. But it looked tailored and you can just tell they just had this sort of like ambiance of, of elegance and luxury. And I was really drawn to that, um, you know, so I always wanted to be in a position where I can wear suits at the highest level. Uh, I'm not the smartest person out there <laughs> by any means, uh, and I never went to college, so I was never going to get into finance or anything like that. Um, so I was like, you know what, if, if I'm not, if I can't afford to buy them, then I'll just make them. Um, mm. and I, I was already very handy, like I was heavy into Legos as a kid, so I just liked building things and creating things out of nothing. Um, so I, I kind of had that desire to just take whatever the materials I had and make something of it. Like I wanted to be a carpenter for that reason as well. Um, so yeah, so I was, I was into heavy into that stuff. Um, and you know, again, the, the fashion aspect too was pretty cool, but I know I didn't want to do fashion just cause fashion just wasn't really my thing, which I was able to learn pretty early, uh, on it in my life. Like maybe by like eight, I knew that I didn't want to do fashion, but I wanted something in clothing. Um, and then I had a buddy, a family friend who's like, why don't you become a tailor? I'm like, man, what? I don't even know what a tailor is, yo. And he was like, he's like, I'll introduce you. There's one in Red Bank. And Red Bank is super close to where we lived. Uh, we were in Tenton Falls. So it's like, you know, you cross the street and like you're almost oh, in Red Falls, Bank. I've heard of it. Yeah. So it's, it's super close to Red Bank if anyone knows about it in Jersey, whatever. But yeah. So I was like, yeah, I'll introduce you. I'm like, all right, bet. Um, and... You know, he was like, we'll, we'll go this Saturday. And then this Saturday came, turned into next Saturday. And the next Saturday turned into the next month. And I just was getting impatient. And I'm like, bro, I'm just going to go. Um, so one day after school, like I go, uh, I, I, yeah, I made my, my mind. I'm like, all right, I'm going to go visit this tailor. And so I'm walking over and, um, and I, so the walk was a mile and a half over there. So it was maybe a half hour walk for me. So for a half hour, bro, I'm like, dude, I'm shaking. I'm, I, I don't even know what was going through. My, I was just so nervous. My palms are sweaty because, you know, you're walking for a half hour deciding, like, I don't even know this guy and I don't even know what you do for a living. And I get, I still want you to train me, you know? So how do you even ask for something like that? You kind of yeah. need to know the person you're asking. You kind of need to know what they do to, if you, even if you want to get into it. Um, but what, so this was in high school and high school, I was taking a fashion class. Um, and were you and, a sophomore or junior? What year were you? This was my freshman year. Wow. My freshman year going into my sophomore year. Yeah. So it was, it was like towards the end of the school year. Cause it was summer. I remember it being hot as fuck. Um, <laughs> but yeah. So, 
uh, I spoke to one of like the fashion teachers and I told them about tailoring. They're like, oh, yeah, that'd be really, really cool. So that's why I kind of mustered up the strength to go walk over there. So I'm walking and, and I, and I go up to Cleveland. That, that's his, um, that's his name. And I was like, hey, what's going on? My name is Oscar Torres. I'm 14 years old. I know absolutely nothing about this trade, but <laughs> I, 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 wa- I want to learn. I don't know if that's something you want to do. You know, me being real nervous. I don't know if, if I don't know if that's something you want to, you know, if you want to take me, the, you know, that'd be great. And he was like, all right, man, like, I just got to tell you a few things, though, because, you know, a lot of you young kids get like mad ambitious and are always chasing money and, and all the care, all you care about is the money. And he said, um, he was like, when you become a tailor, you will never die hungry, but you won't be rich. And so if that's enough for you, then I'll take you in. But if not, then go somewhere else. And I was like, yeah, dude, that, that's fine. He was like, all right, start tomorrow. So this was a Friday. Then I started Saturday. And then I was with him for three years. Nice. Yeah. So, and, and, and that setup was the best setup I could ever ask for. Um, because right off the rip, he, he, the, the expectation was humility, you know, right off the rip. So he basically, if you're not like, that was one of the, the job description, like uh, the job requirements, you know, like it's not, oh, you need a degree here or you need to be doing X, Y, Z thing for, you know, X amount of years. The, 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 the job requirement was to be humble. And that to me was amazing because nobody teaches that, you know? And so for him to be like, that was his number one requirement. I'm like, oh, all right. So this is going to be a hell of a ride. I can already tell. Um, and yeah, and so, and he was super patient with me. Cleveland has been one of the most influential guys in my life. So it, yeah, that, that, that's how I started tailoring. <laughs> so from there, how long did it take you after your three-year apprenticeship to establish your own brand? Oh, it took a it took a very long time. I didn't start my brand till um, twenty seventeen. So how old was I? Twenty years old. Wow. Uh, or or nineteen, more more or less. Yeah, because um, with with Cleveland, um, you know, I would always ask like, hey, like, when am I going to be ready to work for you, like full time and like be a tailor mm. here? You know, and he wouldn't ever answer the question. Like he would just pretend like he didn't hear me. And I'm like, mm. and yeah, so I started catching, I started feeling some type of way, you know? And, and then he, he said once, because I, I forgot what we were talking about. Like, you know, there's always that debate, like who's the best tailor, you know, whatever. So I was like, Cleveland, like you might be the best tailor at Red Bank. And then he like turned around super quick. Right. And he looked at me and he goes, it's that of the frog that boasts of his own pond. And I'm like, bro, you got to stop. You said, that, you said that really fast. Say that slower. Does that sound said, something, something profound? Yeah, no, it's it's deep as hell. He says, um, it's sad of the frog that boasts of his own pond. Mm. Yeah. And I'm like, bro, you got to stop telling me all these proverbs, bro. Just like, tell me, <laughs> tell me what it is, you know? Um, and he was just like, yeah, man, like, if you only know Red Bank, then you will only consider yourself the best within these parameters. But there's a million and one tailors. You have to travel the world. You have to see everybody else's style of tailoring for you to really know who's the best, you know? Um, and then you also have to pick up styles from each one. So, you know, I may do something differently, but so-and-so next door might do it their way. And then if it's easier for you to do it their way, then you kind of have to disregard what I taught you and do it their way. And I'm like, damn. And again, same thing, like the humility. I was like, bro, the fact that you even have the balls to say that I might not be the best guy, you might learn something better from someone else. And instead of using what I taught you, use their technique was I'm like, bro, this is so crazy, you know? 
So he also told me, he kept telling me, like, you might need to move on. You might need to move on, you know, go on to other tailor shops, other apprenticeships, things like that. He's like, because I can only teach you so much. And when I was with him, I was only learning alterations. I was, doing ba- I was learning basic alterations. I was just doing sleeves, um, like pant work, things like that. Nothing too intense. Um, and then I wanted to get into bespoke at that time because I, I was already doing my homework. Because even though I was um, showing up every single day after school, um, when I would come home after my apprenticeship, I was still going into the internet and still learning as much as I could about tailoring. I would still do my homework after the apprenticeship. So, um, that's what I guess sped up the three year process and I was able to get a lot done there. Um, uh, but yeah, so once I graduated high school, I worked for a custom clothier in Shrewsbury. Um, the experience wasn't that great. I didn't like it. I only was there for 11 months. Um, and then I left, went back into tailoring for another year with this other guy. Um, his name is Nelson and he's a, he's an actual bespoke tailor. So that's where I was able to refine my skills. Cause again, Cleveland wasn't teaching me the bespoke skills. So I was just right. buying fabric that was like $20 a yard and just going off of what I learned in the books or going off of what I learned on the internet. Um, and just basically teaching myself the basics of bespoke tailoring. Um, and I just kept messing up left and right. And Cleveland would tell me like, you know, this is how it's done, blah, 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 blah. But it was only just like one or two words of advice. He wasn't sitting down with me to do those kinds of things because he didn't have the time to do that. Um, so by the time I got to Nelson, I already had a certain level of expertise. Like I already knew how to um, canvas a, a jacket. Well, I was I knew how to prep the canvas and I knew how to pad the lapels really, really well. Uh, really, really well. So he was already just like in refining the little skills that I did have. Um, and, and then it got slow one season. This was actually when Trump got elected into office. Cause you know, whenever any president gets elected it, that year in itself is always just like weird. Cause it's, you know, it's a transition of power and the, like businessmen don't really know how to deal with it. <laughs> so, um, this is when Trump got into power and, uh, obviously, you know, things slowed down for a little bit and the shop that I was working, I got really, really slow. And so I got laid off. Damn, like this sucks. You know, I got, I got bills to pay, bro. <laughs> so I'm like, what do I do? And so I was jobless for a while. This happened maybe in September, I want to say. It could have been October. Who knows? But the point is like all of all of winter, I didn't really have anything. And I'm, I was still living at home, so it didn't really matter. But having to rely on my parents for things, just, I don't know. I didn't like asking them like 20 bucks to go out. You know, I just, I just yeah. didn't like doing that. Um, so... Around that time, my tax returns came, right? I'm like, oh, yes, bro, tax return season, no? And um, and so my tax return was like, I think, 1200 bucks or like $1,100, something like that. So I'm like, mm-hmm. all right, bet. So I'm like, I'm going to spend X amount of dollars in, in business cards. I'm going to – actually, no, what did I spend it on? I spent – I bought my first industrial sewing machine, which was actually, it came in pieces, bro. It wasn't even like a, a full machine. Like it just came in parts. I had to build it myself and the instructions were in Chinese. Uh, so I, I couldn't even read the instructions. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, I mean, thankfully they had pictures. So the pictures, I was just basing it off of the pictures and I messed up my machine like three times. I had to rebuild that thing. Like, you know, a, a, a few, a few tries it took me, but, uh, yeah, once I built it, I made sure it was running really, really well. I had to tune it, everything else. Right. So I bought my industrial sewing machine that came in pieces. Um, I bought, uh, a surgery, which ended up being trash. Uh, and that spent up my $1,200. I spent, I spent it on something else, but, um, 
at that time too, when, when I got laid off, I went back to that clothier that I actually didn't like. Um, just because, like I said, Cleveland had taught me the humility. So I'm like, all right, you know, if I didn't like it here, whatever, as long as I can get a job for the time being, yada, yada, yada. And they're, and so I went and they were just like, yeah, no, we can't give you any work just because we're pretty slow ourselves. But there's a spot in East Brunswick, um, that you can, uh, you can, you can go, you know? So they hooked me up with an interview over there, um, which I'm very, very grateful for. And so then I started working there. And so my first paycheck was March 17th of 2017. And with that paycheck, I bought my business cards. And then I started going to the outlets in Tinton Falls, going to every single uh, store that sold suits. It was like, I'm a tailor. Um, can I do your alterations? Or if you have any customers that, you know, have, well, actually, so the pitch was this. I was like, you guys sell suits. Do you have a tailor in-house? And they're like, no, we kind of just send people away. I'm like, where do you guys send them to? And they're like, well, wherever, you know, we send them to either a cleaners or something. I was like, oh, cause I'm a tailor and I'm, I live in Tim Falls. So I'm not that far from you guys. Like, would you guys mind referring my, uh, you know, your customers to me? Uh, I, I can come over here and fit them and then I can deliver it to the store or I can deliver it to your customers, whatever you guys would, would prefer. And they're like, oh, all right, cool. So a lot of them said, you know, quote unquote, yes. And they held my cards, but no one ever gave me business. Um, but there's a, a manager at Hugo Boss that was like, dude, like, I don't really know you. And like, everybody says they're good. So I have to try you out first. I'm like, all right, bet. He's like, yeah, and actually I just bought a suit. So why don't you do the alterations, charge me what you need to charge me. Let's go through the process. Um, and if I think it's worth it, then yeah, hold your cards. I'm like, okay, great. So he gave me a suit. I did his alteration, right? And I deliver it. And the thing too is like, I was, I never got to see it on him ever. Even to this day, I never saw the suit on him. Oh. And so I, yeah, I was so nervous because I went to go deliver it to him, and he's like, "All right, cool. I'll try it on later." I'm like, "Well, can you try it on now so that way I can see it in case if I need to do any tweaks, like I can." And he's like, "No, I'm about to open up the store and I got time. Like, I'll just have to call you later." I'm like, "Damn it!" So I was so nervous. I'm like, "Damn, like I don't know if I did a good job or not." Blah blah blah. Because, um, like I said, I, I consider myself still an apprentice. Like I wasn't a master tailor by any means. And I'm like, damn, man, like, I don't know if I did a good job or not, blah, 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 blah. Because I, I also knew my weaknesses and my strengths to a certain degree. I mean, I didn't have many strengths at that time, but <laughs> I, I kind of knew what I could handle. Right. And these alterations were a little more intense than what I could handle. So that's why I was a little more nervous. Um, but anyway, he calls me the next day. He was like, yeah, dude, the alterations, they came out perfect. Um, I've never had a suit fit this well. So yeah, send your cards over and we'll start sending you business. And then that, that's how I started um, doing everything. And at first, my name was just on the business card. It was just Oscar Torres with my with my phone number and it was a black business card with like um the white lettering which i kept the same but um i'm like you know what i might i might need a brand name you know like i, I, need, I need something and uh yeah. so, I was, so i was thinking i was like yo what, what what do i do you know and at the time like i always wanted to start a business with my brother but that just wasn't able to happen and so in spanish the word torres um if you translate it literally means towers and so it's, it's a feminine word. You say las torres if you're referring to more than one tower. But when you're talking about like family and you say los hermanos torres, then it's L-O-S instead of L-A-S. Um, so I was like los hermanos torres. Like, I don't know. That sounds kind of tacky. I'm like los torres. Like it just, it doesn't really make sense because it's just going to, people are going to think that I don't know what I'm talking about if I say it that way because technically grammatically it's not correct. Um, so I was like, well, what if I went and made it like Los Torres Taylors? Like maybe that makes more sense. So I ran with it and then people started liking the name a little bit and they're like, damn, it's got a nice ring to it. I'm like, all right. So then I just kept it. It has a nice flow. There's no question about that. So, so then, so then I kept it. And then, um, now when I do custom, I always tell people like, I'm like, welcome to the family. You know, when on the first order, Uh, whatever, I'm like, congratulations, 
Yeah, well, congratulations on your first custom order. You know, welcome to the family. Then we'll dap up or we'll have like a drink together, whatever. Um, and and they're like, oh wow. And so now they feel like they're a part of something, you know. So but yeah, that, that that's how I started the brand. So to answer the question, <laughs> sure. No, you've answered it quite well. But you you just you just hit on something that I'd like to inquire further about. You <clears throat> treat your customers as family, correct? For sure. Absolutely. Why do, that's, why do you feel that's important? I mean, they have to feel like they're part of something, you know, because like uh, even corporations and I hate corporate. I hate corporate. I hate corporate. <laughs> Let it be on record that Oscar Torres says, fuck corporate. I hate corporate. Um, they're they're emotionless people for the most part. Anyway, even corporate has reward programs for their customers. So that way, if you buy from someone, you get a free you get a free drink. You get a free tie. You get a free something, you know? Um, so there, there's um, always reward programs um, throughout everywhere. I can't afford to be giving things away for free, especially when I started. Um, but I still wanted people to feel some sort of connection to what was going on. And I also never wanted to be like, oh, well, I'm just starting out. Can you help me out? I, I almost... I don't think I ever used that card ever when I was starting my business. I was very much like, listen, if I'm good enough, then I'm good enough. That's it. So anyway, because I wasn't tapping into those kinds of um, marketing strategies, I guess, to be like, oh, help little old me. I'm like, I still need to make them feel some sort of emotional connection towards what I'm doing. So especially when I started doing custom, that's I, I decided just doing, you know, congratulating the guys because a lot of my customers were either it was the first time doing custom or they were just, you know, um, trying me out for the first time, whatever it was, but I would always congratulate them because it's still a big purchase. Sure. And especially if it comes out successfully, you know, you, you want, you want to be congratulated for it. So I'm like, congratulations on, on your, on your first like big purchase when it comes to clothing. Um, and then I would just tell them, welcome to the family, you know, and then they feel like they're part of something. And so that there's like that little amicable feel to it. So yeah, the, I think, I think it's super important because if people don't feel any sort of connection, then, you know, they're, it's, if they need you, then they'll come back because they need you. But if they don't need you, like if, if they have a million and one different stores to go to, they're going to go where they feel most comfortable. And no one needs, I mean, there's very few people, but almost nobody needs custom clothing. Unless you got like a broken back and like you're like twisted like a pretzel, then you might need to do custom. But for the most part, this is a want item. It's a want business. So sure. you have to make them want to come back and you have to have them or you have to make them want it bad enough. Um, and it's also not cheap. So if, if they really want it, they're going to have to spend the money. But, you know, for me, it's it's never been about the dollars. Um, and also because I've been treated really well. Like Cleveland made me feel like I was part of, of something bigger than just, you know, his business or just tailoring. It was like, it was something always a little bit bigger than that. Um, the custom clothing that I worked for, um, it didn't feel that way. It just felt very money oriented. And I mean, they were selling custom. It was made to measure. Um, but it just was so transactional. Um, and everything you can tell everything was, was, um, had like a hidden meaning to it. Like it obviously when you go, especially nowadays, if you go to your nice shop, everyone's going to give you a drink. Everyone's going to offer you wine. Everyone's going to offer you water. Right. It's just so that people would be like, Oh wow, they offer me water, but not because they genuinely care about you or anything. They just know by offering you those things, they're going to make you want to come back. Right. But even for me, like I'll ask my customer, like what type of drink do they like? And then they'll be like, oh, well, I like X, Y, and Z. So when they come to pick up their suit, I usually have that with, for them, you know? Um, so I, I had a guy who um, I asked him, what's, what's your favorite drink? He goes, well, I like Lagavulin. I'm like, all right, bet, you know? So guess what I had <laughs> when he came to pick up a suit, you know? Um, and there's another guy who he liked rum. So 
guess what we had when he came to pick up his jacket? I, I had, I had a diplomatic. So though, though, when I offer it, it's, I'm not just offering a blanket drink. I'm actually asking you what you like so that way when you come to pick up something, then at least I can have it here for you, you know? Sure. What are other yeah. ways do you feel that you make your customers feel special? Like, for example, if I didn't like to drink, what, what, what would be your other alternatives in order to make a customer feel special? What are the other things you do? The Fashion Geeks are hosted and powered by Blueberry. That's Blueberry. B-L-U-B-R-R-Y. Thinking of launching a podcast? Want your episodes to be deployed smoothly? Go to Blueberry.com, type in the word fashion, and get a deal on us. Just put in the word fashion. Blueberry. Always host fly. Uh, well, that, that, I mean, it obviously goes to base to base, and that's just where you have to ask questions. And, you have, and that's the thing, too, man. Like, you know what bothers me, bro? It's like when people ask questions, they're not listening to the answer. They're just worried what their next question is going to be just to keep a conversation going. But it's like, bro, if you're going to ask a question, you might want to listen to the to the answer. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, and it, like, it, it kind of sucks that I like I and I've I've had to tell that to a few other like buddies of mine that like have their business or whatever. I'm like, listen to your customer, bro. So if a guy doesn't like to drink, then. I'll be like, all right, bro, like, are you into tea? Like, are you into coffee or something? Like, you know, what, what, what are you into? Um, so I'll have tea. I'll have coffee. Uh, like, I'm not into coffee. I hate coffee. But if someone likes it, I'm still going to offer it because that's what they like, you know? Sure. Um, or or if you have water, and sometimes, um, well, like, and I'll joke about it too sometimes. Like, if I offer them drinks, like, oh, like I'm, I don't really drink. I was like, oh, well, I have, I have a really nice selection of mineral water, you know, it's Poland Spring, and they start laughing, you know? Um, and I'm like, no, but like real talk, like, do you, like, do you even like, um, seltzer? And they're like, yeah, I actually do. I'm like, you like seltzer? And you know, I'll tease them a little bit. I'm like, oh, okay. So then I'll have seltzer next time, you know? So something like, it's small things like that. Um, or if not, um, I'll have like some snacks, you know, they mentioned that they like Oreos or I don't know, I'll pick up on anything. Um, but you know, you, you just have to ask what, what they're into, you know? Um, so, and you have to listen to the answer. So whatever, whatever, I mean, it, it can be anything. I mean, if they're into cigars, whatever they're into, um, if I'm hosting an event, I'm having cigars, then they're the first people I'm inviting, you know? Um, and so then they're like, oh, like he remembered, you know, or whatever it is. So yeah, uh, there's, you just got to listen. So every customer is going to be different. Not everybody likes to drink. That was just an example. But um, yeah, if, if you're into, if you're into, you know, jewelry or something, if you're into cars, whatever it is, like I'm going to find a way to, to kind of like scratch that itch almost um, and, and make it seem genuine too. Like I'm not just going to do it just to just for like the shock value or to like impress you. It's because like if we're actually going to have like and build it like a friendship, then like, you know, this, this is just what it's going to take, you know? Sure. So let's talk about your process. You're a custom tailor, which essentially means bespoke. We all know that bespoke is used loosely mm -hmm. in, 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 in the tailoring game and men's suiting. So why don't you explain to the listeners what your bespoke process is? If I'm a client, I'm a referral, I've never met you before, but I hear you do good work. How does it mm -hmm. work at Ghost Tortoise Tales? So the, the process is pretty simple. I mean, it's like any other process, like you come in um, and actually, so before you come in, like obviously we'll hop on the phone call, it would be texting, you know, or DMing each other, whatever. Um, cause usually you're reaching out to me some way, whether it's a DM text or phone call. And then I'll try to get a gauge as to what you're looking for or what the expectations are. Um, cause some guys just want to do a jacket. Some guys want to do just a pair of pants. Some guys want to do a full suit. 
So I have to understand like, okay, what do you want it for? Like, do you want it for a wedding? Um, do you want it for something more leisure? Um, like what, what, what is it? You know, why, why do you want it? Uh, once I understand those things, um, they're like, oh, well, I want it because I'm going to get married at the Bahamas. So, like, you know, you also have to know your cloths and like the regions, like obviously like linens and cottons are for the summer um, and like flannels and tweeds and things like that are for the winter. So you, that's just like one-on-one stuff that you should know. Um, sure. But yeah, so uh, I'll ask them a few questions about what it is that they do. Um, and uh, we'll briefly touch about their career or what their goals are. Um, but that's really when we sit down and, and actually have the consultation. So when we sit down, then I'll be like, hey, like, so I have, you know, and then when we sit down, I'll have a few swatches already prepared from what our initial conversation was. Um, and then we'll go from there. So I'll, I'll ask, you know, we'll keep the conversation going. Like, what are your goals? Like, what do you do for a living? Um, do you have kids? Um, do you commute to work? What do you do? Blah, 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 whatever. And then once I understand those things, then I'll start weeding out the, the cloth selection for them because certain fabrics are going to hold up better than others. Um, and if they have 12 suits in a closet and they're just an enthusiast and they're just, they just like this stuff, then yeah, you can afford to do the, you know, super whatever with the silk in it and stuff like that, you know, because you can afford to do so because you're not wearing those pants all the time. So anyway, once I figure out like what you, you can, you can wear and things like that, then you'll start uh, choosing from like a very curated uh, assortment of, you know, what, what I've been able to gather from what, you know, you, you're telling me. And then you pick the cloth that you like. It's like, okay, great. Um, I take the measurements and, uh, and then once I have the measurements, then we, we begin the cutting. And so once I have the, uh, the first try on sample, um, sometimes it's cut with the actual fabric. Sometimes it's not, that all depends on the person and the fabric and just the circumstances. Um, and yeah, so you'll, you'll try something on and then I'll do the alterations. Uh, I'll, we'll have a, another appointment where I'll have, you'll have the first fitting. So I'll see what, you know, what needs to get done. And at this point with the first fitting, the facings aren't on the jacket. Um, you may have one or two sleeves on the jacket. Um, it's, it's a very bone, like bare bones kind of construction first, because if I, and at that point you can do a stupid amount of alterations. Um, you know, you can take in the front edges. Um, you can be, you know, resloping shoulders and you can do a bunch, a bunch of different things and it's not going to be so intense later on. Uh, because, you know, everything is so loosely stitched. So you can, at that point, it's easier to remove a shoulder pad or easier to do whatever. Um, so then I, I have the first fitting. I get to see all the alterations I need to get done. Um, and then the second fitting. Um, so my process is a little quicker because usually by the second fitting, it's a finished garment already. Uh, and then any further tweaks I need to get done, then I'll do. Um, and then I won't deliver it until either I'm happy or you're happy. So we're just going to keep going back and forth until, until we find something, which usually isn't the case though. Usually, um, max has been like three fittings. I haven't really gone to the fourth yet. Um, and that, that's pretty much it, you know? So, and then on your first order, there's always going to be certain, you know, puckers and wrinkles and things like that. Your first order is never perfect, even if you do bespoke. But once you start building that relationship with your, with your uh, tailor, then you get to say, you know what, maybe the lapel came out a little too wide for the next order. Let's make it a little slimmer. And then you start building that. It's a conversation, you know? Um, cause even though I have my, uh, view on style and my jacket lengths and lapel widths, I mean, they're the one wearing at the end of the day too. So you can't be too hard on what your house style is. Uh, but yeah, so you build that relationship and then we just keep building it onwards. And so your first one is going to come out really good. Like I'm telling you, like, I mean, you're doing bespoke, so like, it's really, really good. But then your second one comes out even better. 
and your third is even better than that. And then it just keeps going on and on and on, you know? So it's, it's, it's a really, really cool process. So that that's, that's the process of the bespoke. So essentially it's initial vision, uh, initial visit, pardon me, a basic fitting, a structural fitting. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. That, that's the terminology. Yeah, for sure. All right. So why don't you describe your house style at Los Torres Taylors? Uh, the house style is pretty basic. I mean, I mean, I'm not, I'm not reinventing the wheel here, <laughs> but, um, yeah. So the house style that I, I like just because I, and I'm choosing the house style and I've developed it because I think it flatters most men, um, in every sense of the word when it comes to like the comfort and just the aesthetics. Right. So the way that I usually cut my jackets is with a little bit of a fuller chest. Um, not nothing too sloppy, but definitely a fuller chest. Um, I actually like a, a little bit of a waist suppression, but I also don't like a tight jacket. So there will be a lot of room through the waist, but your jacket will still be shaped um, very, very well. So it's hard to do that because some guys, what they'll do is they'll leave the chest alone and they'll pull in the waist so tight it starts to pull um, in the middle and it doesn't really look good. So what I do is I kind of just leave a loose waist and then I add to the chest and I add to the hips to kind of give that silhouette. And I'm not, I'm not taking away, if anything, I'm adding a little bit to it. So I'm adding to the chest. I'm leaving the waist with a little bit more of uh, room and comfort in there. Um, I'm extending the hip line a little bit. Um, I usually cut with a center vent just because when you sit down, the jacket is going to split like in, in, in the middle where the vent actually opens. And so your, the back of your jacket doesn't wrinkle as much. Um, I see with like a double vent, that one big piece, that panel, the back panel, it kind of just crumbles up in the back when you have the side vents and then your back is always wrinkled. But, you know, I have to change the vent style depending if you got a big ass or not, you know? So, um, <laughs> like I'm a flat ass. So like I'm good with the, with the, with the, with the single vent and most people are, but if you got like, if, I mean, if you're, if you're playing some like heavy sports, like hockey or, um, you know, you're like playing baseball or football, um, you know, like those sports, uh, then yeah, you're, you're most likely going to need double vents, but yeah. So usually we do, we do, um, a single vent. We do bees in pockets, no flaps, just cause flaps are annoying as hell. Um, I don't like them. Um, the, the lapels are usually going to be a little bit wider than usual. Um, you know, so I, I would say maybe like four inches to three and three quarters, depending on the body type. Um, the amount of buttons on the sleeve are very minimal, either three or two, nothing too crazy. Um, uh, two buttons, you know, or one button if you're doing the peak lapel, you know, something like that. But yeah, the house, the house style isn't, isn't too crazy, but it definitely is. I, I like to consider it sculptured almost. Um, cause you know, you're like, and especially the canvasing, man, the canvasing matters so much to, to the house style. Cause when you're adding a certain amount of the fullness in the chest, sometimes that fabric just starts to buckle in the chest. And if it's not canvas properly it doesn't have that nice drape to it so yeah the canvassing means a lot to, to the house style um and as far as trousers definitely high-waisted trouser um a fuller thigh i don't i don't don't i don't like pants tight around my my thighs it's uncomfortable especially when you add like keys in your pockets or a wallet in your back pocket <laughs> whatever um you need to have some room through your thighs man you, you just gotta have it and then a taper a tapered leg so like through the ankle then it'll taper down there um so usually a two-inch cuff, uh, two-inch waistband, tab adjusters. I like pleats, but some people don't. So that's um, that's up in the air. Uh, the back pockets are also besom pockets. No button, no flaps, no nothing. It's just besom. It's cleaner and it's easier to get things in and out of. So that that's basically it. That that's bas- the basic house style. Oh, nice, 
you know you know yeah. what you want you know what you like that's your vision and like you said it always can be altered no pun intended right yeah yeah and what's the turnaround for for a bespoke suit is it eight to 12 weeks what what's your yeah. turnaround for a customer yeah, the, the general turnaround, it all depends on the amount of fittings that we got to do. Uh, and also if it's your first or your, you know, your third order, what doesn't matter. Uh, well, actually, no, I'm saying it does matter because um, like that, that's going to depend how many fittings you need. And then obviously the amount of fittings also determ- determines the time. But yeah, more or less between like eight to 12 weeks is, is like the standard turnaround um, for, for a bespoke garment. And again, to be clear for the customers, this is true bespoke, meaning that when you're drawing the pattern, you're doing this just that. This is an original pattern. Yeah, yeah. And so actually, now that you're touching on that aspect, our made-to-measure is still an original pattern. Um, a lot of people, when they use their made-to-measure, yeah, yeah, I don't I don't use um, a, a block pattern. I actually don't even have block patterns. <laughs> I, I don't have any triangle garments um, at all. So, I, yeah, I don't I don't have um, any any base models that I could use even if I wanted to. Um, so even at our made to measure level there, we're, we're still drafting the pattern from scratch. There are no pre-existing patterns that we just alter for, for the customer. The only difference between what I would consider my made to measure to be versus the bespoke is that when you order the made to measure, um, it comes in as a finished garment. We do have some sample try-ons, um, for made to measure, especially for the women, um, mainly because if it comes in as a finished product and it's not good, there are certain alterations that I just can't do on a finished product, um, or that you can do, but the finished it just won't look good. So sometimes depending on the body shape or whatever, I'd rather have like a, just a sample try on, um, and do it that way. But that's, that's not really doing bespoke because it, it comes in as a finished, as a finished product with bespoke. That's when it's not a finished product. When it comes in, you have the basic fitting, then you have the structure fitting, and then you have a bunch of other fittings in between. So you get to tweak it a little bit better and at a higher level, um, than, you know, than what you could with the made to measure. So that, that's how I distinguish it. Um, but yeah, um, so the, even at our made to measure, we're still drafting a pattern from scratch. That's great. That's very significant. I think that separates you, don't you think? Uh, yeah, a little bit. And, and it's, I, was, I was talking to this at one of my events. There was this uh, lady she worked for. I forgot like what uh, custom company. But anyway, and they're a manufacturer. And so we're talking about it. And she's, you know, uh, I wouldn't say she was bragging, but she was definitely just explaining her, um, her major measure process and how they do it. Um, and she goes, how do you like, you know, who do you use for your manufacturer? which I usually don't have a problem um, telling them that, you know, where I manufacture the made to measure out of. But so I told her, I was like, yeah, but I mean, even my made to measure, I'm, I'm still drafting the pattern from scratch. She goes, so that's bespoke. I was like, well, no, for us, like the bespoke is when you have the multiple fittings. And she goes, damn. So you're just raising the bar all around. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I mean, I, I would like to think so, <laughs> you know? And, and the thing too, is like the amount of tools that I don't have is also kind of, it, some, some people get scared, but of like how much I rely on my eye. Cause uh, I was talking to this one clothier, right? And he's got like a level that tells you the the degree or the slope of, of the shoulder. So, you know, he uses little tools that puts it up by between like the, the crook between like your neck and where your shoulder meet. So he puts it there and like the little bubble tells you like where, you know, where, where how to draft the shoulder. And for me, like, I'll just eyeball it. So I just look at someone and I'll be like, mm, okay, got it. And I'll write it down. And then when they try it on, they're like, yo, what the hell? I was like, yeah, man, I got it like that. <laughs> so... Yeah, you know, it, it's things like that where people just get really impressed. Like same thing with like a stoop posture. There's like another, uh, you know, tool that you can put like in the, at the base of the neck and then like on their 
round of their back and you kind of get to see how stupid they are because there's like a little another uh, bubble that will tell you um that one actually i would i would like to have the slip of the shoulder i don't really need but the uh the stoop of the neck one i, I think would be like a cool one to have but yeah e- even then I, i'll still study your posture and be like okay got it and then once i write it down and then when it comes in they're like yo like this is crazy um, and the fact that I can get it, you know, I would say like a 95% accuracy on your first order. Um, you know, it makes me happy because I, I definitely worked hard as hell to, to get to this point. So, uh, yeah, uh, I don't really rely on, on all those tools. I kind of just use my eye and I've trained it to the point where I can do those kinds of things. That's impressive. So thank you, man. You know, for real, you're based out of Jersey, but what are your entrees into New York and just the overall tri-state? Uh, so I, I mean, obviously, like he said, I'm based in New York. I have, I use an office in Madison Avenue, um, where I will meet clients there. There's another space in Philly that I will use to meet clients there. Uh, and I just recently got a, um, really, really good, um, deal with this. Um, she's a dressmaker for like wedding dresses and stuff. And she is amazing. She's up in Connecticut. Uh, and so her and I are collaborating um, now, so we have a lot of partnership there. Uh, so now I'm in Connecticut too, offering, um, my, my custom services to, to there. So I'll, I'll just travel, you know, and we'll book an appointment and then I'll reserve the space, whatever. Um, or like, I'll let people know that I'm going to show up and, uh, and then that's it. I'll bring my books with me. And that's why the phone call, um, is kind of important because that also, like, I'm not going to bring all of my books with me because <laughs> it's just, it's so much to carry. So that, that's why the, the, the phone, uh, phone call is really important because that, that helps you weed it out. So not, and it helps, I mean, it's very beneficial because you know what they're already expecting. Um, if you want to talk about budget on the phone call, I guess you can. So that also will prevent you from bringing your very expensive books and wasting your time. So if, if you know what their budget is, then you can bring the books that would fit their budget. So the, the first phone call matters, but I'll only bring a few different books with me um, at, like at a time. And then, yeah, that's really it. So I'll just show up and then I do my thing. And don't be shy now. You have launched your brand and a few other retailers, correct? So this Connecticut look is big for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw on the Instagram, because I follow you on it, you've launched in some other retailers. Why don't you talk about that? Yeah, so um, thank you, yes, man. (laughs) No, because, like, I'm I'm super excited because – um, I got my ass kicked in the beginning of 2020, but not even because of COVID, just because like a lot of like personal stuff. So I got my ass handed to me and I'm like, damn, man. So COVID actually saved my life because, um, you know, the world shut down for three months and I had nothing, I had nothing but time. So I'm like, all right, great. You know what? I'm going back to the drawing board. So we went back to the drawing board. I'm doing this and blah, 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 blah. And I just started, you know, really, really revamping what I needed to do. And so I, I hosted trunk shows and things like that. Everything is going pretty well. So to, like I said, still keep my business going to a certain degree. And now I'm seeing certain stores that, that I know. And so like I was mentioning before, like I were, uh, the store in East Brunswick that um, this clothier, they hooked me up with the interview. I ended up getting the job. Um, and so I've been working with them since 2017. So it's been, I don't know how many years, uh, four years now. Um, yeah. And so anyway, I've been with them for a while and, COVID really hit them pretty bad. And I was kind of like, well, why, why couldn't we partner up? You know, it would help me out because now I get, I have a space and I don't have to constantly be traveling all throughout New Jersey. I would have like an actual store now because I'm already traveling into New York and into Philly. And now I'd be going into Connecticut. Like I don't want to be traveling that much. So having that store would, would be a big deal. And then they have a really big tailor shop that I could also use. Um, 
And so I, I uh, mentioned it to one of the managers first, um, you know, just throwing an idea out there. And he's like, dude, that like, you, you should, you should Steve is the guy's name. He's the, the store is called the clothing center um, in East Brunswick. So he goes, you should tell Steve. And I was like, you think so? He's like, yeah, like I, I, I think it would work. I'm like, all right, bet. So, you know, just one day I, I popped the question to Steve. I was like, bro, like what, what if we collapsed? And he was like a little, you know, I wouldn't say weary, but definitely was like, all right, well, I, I would have to, I would have to think about it, but definitely something I, I could consider. I'm like, okay, great. Um, so then we, we sat down, we had a little conversation of what we expected from one another. Um, and actually, yesterday, yes, yeah, yesterday we, we had a, a, an official system where we actually put things on paper and, um, and, and we were able to, to reach a, agreements on things. Um, yeah, so that, that's really, really big. So now I have a storefront that I get to use. Um, I have a little studio space. I have like a little corner that it's now my designated area. I have like, I'm going to bring my mannequins, um, probably tomorrow. Um, and the cool thing about them is that they, they have actual inventory. So let's say I have a guy who's doing custom, um, and all he wants to do is just like a dinner jacket, but in his butt, he can't afford the pair of pants or like a shirt or whatever. I don't know. For whatever reason, he doesn't want to do pants, whatever. The point is I have a store that has inventory. So now if he just does a jacket, I can still sell him a pair of pants. I can still sell him a shirt or I can sell him the studs and cufflinks. I can sell him a pocket square. I can sell him other things. Um, and then it just, it's easier for the customer too, because now they don't have to constantly do all this back and forth in one shot. We can handle all of it as before, you know, and my guys were very patient with me. Um, I'll have, I, you know, I thank God that the customers that I've had, cause they've all been extremely patient with me because it would be a lot of back and forth. Like, okay, let's do this. You know, we'll reconvene another time. I'll bring a few things with me blah, 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 and then we'd have to reconvene another. So it was just constant meetings, which is cool. Cause I was in constant touch with them and, you know, we ended up building like a friendship, whatever, but this just makes it quicker and I can still build that friendship, you know? So the, the store in, uh, in East Brunswick, the clothing center has been a huge addition. Um, and so they are in like that central Jersey area. Um, because I was in Harrison for, um, a certain amount of time, I also was able to build up a really good trade uh, up like in Northern Jersey. And so actually one of the stores in Mont in Montclair specifically reached out to me and we had met like two years ago or maybe like even the year before. And he was like, Hey, like, you know, um, you know, his, his situation was like actually doing pretty well, but he just wasn't able to be in the store all the time. Cause you know, he got other, um, commitments and things like that. So it was just getting a little too much for him to handle. Um, uh, and I was kind of in a similar position too, where I was just biting a little more than I could chew. So he was like, well, why don't we collab here as well? And I was like, all right. So we had a few meetings, we had a few, uh, zoom calls and conferences and things like that. Um, and yesterday also was my first full day here where I was able to kind of set up my, my little space. I have like a little, um, cubby that he has. Um, and so I have my mannequin set up with my books and stuff. Um, yeah. So having him allows me to service my customers up in the North. Cause that was another issue. It's like, I have customers down by the shore and guys in the North. So having to find or, or a way to deal with both of them was starting to stress me out a little bit, but now I have spaces where the guys down, by the shore can drive up route 18 onto, you know, to, to meet me at the clothing center, which is a pretty easy drive coming from that low up to East Brunswick. And then the guys from, you know, Montclair or, or like Harrison, Newark, you know, um, Hudson County, Morris, uh, Morris County, all those guys. Um, it's, it's easy to, to come to Montclair. So it just, it was, it was a beautiful, beautiful thing. Um, and then Connecticut's also great cause I've never been to Connecticut. So like, it's just, I heard it's a good market. I, 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 um, and I was able to talk to, um, 
uh, Melissa, who owns um, the Melissa Atelier in Connecticut. And so we've been in good contact. Uh, you know, we have a great friendship. And so I asked her, I was like, listen, I got these two things going for me right now. Um, I mean, you do wedding dresses. Like, why don't you offer, um, you know, men's tuxedos? And she was like, yeah, I mean, that sounds super cool. And so again, she had a few questions. Um, I had a few questions and we were able to hash things out, but it was a really, really smooth transition. Um, and so, yeah, she was like, yeah, let, let's do it. So we're actually hosting an event in Connecticut um, in April. I don't know the date off the top of my head, but in April, we're going to have an event there um, where we're going to have like a mini launch party. Um, so that, yeah, the, I have, I have those three locations now and it's, it's a, it's a huge blessing, huge, huge blessing. Yeah, uh, I think that's an understatement, Oscar Torres. Yeah. <laughs> you are you are, <laughs> you are blowing up for the two one. There's no question yeah. about that. It sounds like you're leveling up. You know, I followed you on Instagram for a long time. We met at CTDA a few years ago, and obviously we're also trying to do our own collabo. But mm -hmm. from this perspective, kudos to you, man. Thank you, bro. You're, I appreciate you're, that. You're, you're making it happen. You are humble. I would hope that Mr. Cleveland is is checking out what you're doing and uh, is giving his nod of respect as you've branched out on your own. Yeah, I hope so too, man. <laughs> so, Oscar, you used the word actually in the beginning of our interview, but I'm going to hit you up with it again. So what does always be fly mean to you? Always be fly, what it means to me. Um... So I, I always think that it has to do with like a way of being because, I mean, I can, I, I can wear, uh, you know, my jeans and a T-shirt and still, still rock it really well, you know. I agree. Uh, I same, same, with, same with you, you know. Like, Absolutely. And that's the thing too. Like everyone thinks like custom tailoring is just suiting. Like, no, you, you can make some jeans. Like you can get like a nice shirt. And like, you know, you're, you're rocking it. Um, so I think Always Be Fly really has to do with like kind of like a, a sense of, of self where you're comfortable in yourself um, and you're always just present. Um, and, and your confidence. So, I mean, you're not one of those guys that has on like this really nice garment. You're walking into this restaurant and you're like, mm, well, you know, and you got like, no, 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 no. You know, shoulders back, head up. You go in, you introduce yourself, you shake a hand. If, I mean, if you can because of COVID or whatever, but <laughs> you know, you shake a can when you can, when you're able to. Um, you have a smile, you have a great attitude. Um, and, and that in itself will, will, will keep you fly because, you know, it's the same thing with girls, yo. Like sometimes like obviously like if you're a handsome dude, like girls are gonna be attracted to you. But if you're a dick, like yeah, like cool, you're gonna have, you know, your two minutes of fame or whatever. But the guys that are like are actually like really, really good dudes, like they're honest and they're they're, you know, hardworking and trustworthy, those are the ones that usually, you know, actually settle down better, I would say, you know. So that that's the same thing as being flat, you know, like it doesn't matter like what you're wearing, just wear it well and wear it confidently and you and, and just have like a good mindset, you know. I agree. I like what you said.